and good morning and welcome to the Skinny here on WMNF for Friday, August 4th. I'm Mitch Perry, senior political reporter for the Florida Phoenix, joined by my co-host, Ray Roa, creative loafing editor-in-chief. Hey, Ray, good morning. Good morning. Ben Montgomery, our, our third amigo, is still, still on vacation. He's yes. still in France. Indeed he is, but he will be back next week. All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, national public policy and maybe a little politics thrown in there. We've got Congresswoman Kathy Castor, who has joined us here in the studio here in WMNF Tampa. Good morning, Kathy. Happy Friday, everybody. Great to see you here. So for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with uh, Congresswoman Castor, she's now in her 17th year representing Tampa and Hillsborough County and now part of Pinellas County again in the 117th Congress. She was originally elected in an open seat back in 2006, defeating four other challengers. And she's been there ever since, both in power and out of power as part of the Democrats in Washington. So, Kathy, of course, uh, again, thank you. This is the beginning of the August recess for all members of Congress. Now, um, you, when you get back, you're going to have uh, a lot to do here, right? You've got all these uh, appropriations bills, um, 11 of them, I believe it is. And I think the Senate is taking care of most of that. And this is a big deal because the whole debt ceiling discussion that we had a few months ago that uh, was alleviated, didn't happen. Um, kind of that's going to come back here. Uh, and you know some of the your your uh, brethren on the other side of the aisle here, they, they weren't happy with how that all worked out in many ways. They think that, uh, I guess, you know, there's just too much spending going on in Washington. So what's going to happen here when you got back there? You know, it's, it's uh, a frustrating term in the Congress because last year we had remarkable progress, whether it was the Inflation Reduction Act to lower costs for families' prescription drugs or health care. That was our historic clean energy and climate law, uh, the infrastructure law, uh, the PACT Act to, to help veterans who were exposed to toxins and burn pits. Uh, it was a remarkable session last year. And that was with a divided Congress. The Senate was 50-50. The House, but what made the difference is House Democrats were in the majority and were able to solve problems at lower cost and put people over politics. That has flipped because the GOP is uh, in the majority in the House. And boy, it is. Uh, you have uh, the right wing fighting the extreme right wing. And when it, I know a lot of folks, I don't really, the appropriations bills, you know, that's a lot of uh, sausage making that they think may not affect them. But it does, because we're talking about making sure that the government works for everyone. Do, do Pell Grants get increased? Do they get delivered at all? Does medical research at Moffitt Cancer Center and University of South Florida continue on? People get uh, the infrastructure investments that we desperately need here in the Tampa Bay area. So what they've done in the House, they've loaded up all of these appropriations bills with just the, all of the culture war, uh, everything we're living through here under Governor DeSantis, they've, it's infected the House GOP. So that in the appropriations bills, they've added abortion, national abortion bans. Uh, they've added undermining public education, even defunding law enforcement because of the conspiracy against the FBI. And it, you know, rather than put people over politics, they come down time and time again uh, for millionaires and billionaires trying to provide more tax cuts for the wealthy and the well-connected. Uh, so this is there. Some of the Republicans actually said before we adjourned, well, a government shutdown won't hurt. 
Yes, it will. And we're going to we're going to fight. It's going to be up to public sentiment to push back on on the the radical right wing, the MAGA folks who are kind of running the show in the Congress right now. Let's talk about some of the funding that you mentioned a moment ago and how maybe we're not getting some of that here in Florida. You wrote a scathing letter to Governor DeSantis last week decrying his what you you wrote. You called it a sneaky veto uh, about federal funds that would have come to Florida to lower costs for uh, businesses and families through significant energy efficient discounts and rebates in the Inflation Reduction Act and in the infrastructure bill. Uh, now, you wrote, and I, let's talk about this, that the veto will result in Floridians losing $174 million in rebates for energy efficiency improvements, $173 million for rebates to purchase energy-efficient home appliances, and $7 million for a new training program for electrical contractors, a total loss of $354 million. Now, I saw you at the announcement that uh, Mayor Jane Castor had uh, recently about the city's uh, equity, what is it, the climate change equity plan, uh, which there's going to be, they talked about their uh, investments from the, uh, in terms of, you know, that that bill that was passed last year that was been hailed as like the best bill ever for climate change. Is that directly related to this at all or no? You bet it is. It really is. So is that going to affect that Tampa plan that they announced then? Probably not directly, okay. but the <clears throat> when you combine the Inflation Reduction Act, which is our historic clean energy and climate law, and the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the the big infrastructure law, this was the uh, the most historic legislation to tackle clean energy and lower costs for consumers and help us combat climate change. We're living. We just lived through the hottest July on record ever in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, June was not not a picnic in the park either. Uh, Florida is too reliant on gas for electricity production. The u- electric utilities have entirely too much power in Tallahassee. We rely, you would think the Sunshine State, we would be tapping the abundant free energy of the sun, but the utilities keep us addicted to gas. 75% of our electricity generation in Florida comes from gas. That's one reason why people are paying more on their electric bills. After Putin invaded Ukraine, we all recognized higher gas prices at the pump, but it also impacted our electricity bills. So the beauty of the Inflation Reduction Act is it provided significant new cost savings for consumers and local communities through rebates on their uh, elect on purchasing electric appliances, weatherizing your home. If you want to go solar, it's going to be less expensive. Tax credits, as you you think about uh, an electric vehicle in the years ahead, part of the funds have to flow through the state of Florida uh, and be distributed by the state. And what DeSantis did in a very sneaky fashion is the money that came for consumers to save money on appliances and weatherization. The state needed to provide a $5 million match to draw down over $350 million to distribute to to our neighbors. And he vetoed that $5 million. I call it a pickpocket pickpocketing Floridians, making the cost of living more expensive. We're already paying higher uh, uh, property insurance than anywhere else in the country, higher electric bills, 
He has been a disaster uh, for clean energy and the environment in Florida. Don't be fooled by some early uh, lip service that he provided. He has been uh, the most dangerous and destructive governor when it comes to to clean energy and tax More than climate crisis. Yes, really. Yes, because here we are. We we passed finally in the United States of America our historic clean energy and climate law. Enormous resources for for families and small businesses and communities and he's setting us back. But there is some good news. People ought to, if you have your cell phone on you or you're at your computer, go to rewiringamerica.org because you can plug in your zip code, your income, and see the rebates that you qualify for that are available to you. If you in the coming years have to replace your air conditioning unit, you can get a big discount on a new energy efficient heat pump or your electrical box or a, a new a new refrigerator or appliance. And of course, if you're going to replace your gas stove. Exactly. It's <laughs> a good discount for that. We are talking to Congresswoman Kathy Castor here on WMNF. I'm Mitch Perry with Ray Roa. Um, you mentioned climate. So what's, before, Ray, I'm going to let you have a question no, here no, in a second. No, 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 no. But I, I saw no rewind. Okay, for but I want to, um, you, of course, in the last Congress were, uh, when the Democrats went back to you, Congress in 2018, Nancy Pelosi had you chair a special committee on climate change. And uh, so you, pre- you obviously learned a lot doing that. Um, and where are we in the country? Because, frankly, you know, Representative Castor, it's really easy to get discouraged by in terms of people, if you take climate change seriously, to think that we're so far behind in what we need to do and if we could ever catch up. And there are some folks who just think we can't uh, and, you know, we're putting Band-Aids on here. Where are we at with American policy here? Obviously, it's a global thing. It's global warming, after all. Um, but, you know, what, what happened there and um, what you were able to do with your committee when you were there for the last four years? Yeah, we really crafted solutions uh, where everyone ha- can play a part and in reducing pollution and moving to clean energy. We're about to live through a very exciting transition in our lives that will save us money and will uh, clean up the air. This will be the, the cars and trucks that we drive. You may not need a new car today, but you need to know that that uh, $7,500 tax credit for the electric car or truck that you want to buy five to 10 years down the road is going to be there so you can plan. And the models that are going to roll off the assembly line, there's going to be enormous choice for consumers. Uh, the F-150 called the Lightning, I, I joked that it was probably named after our hockey team, but it was, this is a the most popular vehicle in America and they're only going to build electric models in the future. It's a competitiveness issue because China now is building more electric vehicles. They, they have captured some of this solar, uh, solar supply chain. So this is investing in our own people. There are, there's an enormous, uh, exciting expansion of manufacturing and new jobs all across the country, especially in the Midwest, in building batteries, in building the EVs, in building solar. Uh, the, and it, the, it's, it's, 
it's vast. That's why I think rewiringamerica.org, mm-hmm. that is a nice way for consumers, for our neighbors to look at what's available. And then there's the whole piece on sol- going solar, going wind, going more energy efficient where there are significant tax credits. There is certainly concern you hear from some folks about the push to EVs and that, uh, you know, we don't have the infrastructure right now, literally, you know, in terms of the stations. I mean, that's something I know that Biden wants to do. Uh, and then there's this concern that, um, you know, I mean, I, can't, I think California has already said, right, they're not going to make uh, uh, internal combustion uh, cars, uh, you know. Not going to sell them. Yeah, yeah, in 10 years or so. So, and they historically lead the way, California does on these type of things. But there's there's fear out there with some folks who think that, you know, the whether it's the cost or just different factors there. I don't know if you've heard some of that. You must have that, you know, this is going too quickly. Uh, now, obviously, when we're talking about climate, it's not going too quickly, obviously. But this is the, this is the thing that I've heard from uh, advocates, that this is the way that we're really going to do it is through our cars. So what do you say to folks who think that um, this is uh, kind of radical? No, the the this is going to be this is going to benefit everyone. The uh, but it's not it's not going to be forced upon you in the in the near term. This is that's why it's based on incentives and rebates and discounts. When you go to purchase your next vehicle, you will be able to choose. But America's automakers, they've already said they're only going to build electric uh, in the coming decades because. Uh, they want to win the future. They, China is building more electric vehicles. They are trying to flood the market as they have done in the past with other products. And this is a, a significant competitiveness issue. But you're going to see a transition in uh, in buses, in school buses, in your Amazon UPS delivery trucks. The United States Postal Service will go all electric. And the infrastructure will will come with it. All of the major automakers now are joining together to make sure that they continue to push out the the charging uh, systems. You need states and local communities to play a role. The state of Florida could be doing a lot more. Kudos to Mayor Welch, Mayor Castor, uh, for pressing ahead. You will. This is going to be an exciting transition. It will also improve our health. It'll clean the air. There's a lot of pollution deposited into Tampa Bay. It will help clean our waterways too. Uh, But we have to act with urgency because the climate crisis and the cost of it are upon us. Now, you just filed a big, major bill, I think, last week, uh, H.R. 5075, I think it was, which directs the Federal Energy Regulation Commission to bar utilities from recovering political expenses from ratepayers. You're calling it the Ethics and Energy Act, and it would prohibit electric utilities from using ratepayer dollars to fund shady political activities in the wake of scandals. It's, it's interesting. It's being co-sponsored by uh, Sean Caston from Illinois, Jamal Bowman from New York. I think he's one of the one of the uh, the squad now. Jamal Bowman. Uh, all three of you have had utilities in their home states involved in political scandals. Uh, this one, of course, is referencing Florida Power and White. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would just say this is really interesting because we uh, some folks maybe are aware some aren't that what FL, FPL did last year or came out last year. Orlando Sentinel wrote about this using millions of dollars to a scheme to siphon votes to third party ghost candidates who were recruited to appear on the ballot for competitive state Senate seats. We're talking about the one in Miami with uh, Javier uh, Rodriguez down there. Um, so so does this is this going to have a chance at all in the Congress? It, if we intend to press it. 
because these uh, you have utility scandals all across the country. Huge bribery scandal in Ohio, another scandal in Arizona. Some states now, Maine, Colorado, are adopting new laws that prohibit electric utilities from using your money, ratepayer money, to fund their political activities. And it was so dirty, such dirty politics here in Florida for FPNL to take money to fund ghost candidates to, you know, Senator um, Rodriguez down in, down in uh, Miami-Dade. His uh, flaw, according to FPNL, was uh, promoting uh, clean energy yeah. and trying to tackle the climate crisis. So they funded a candidate with a very similar name to go on the ballot who siphoned off enough votes to defeat JJR. JJR was known for uh, going to Tallahassee to the legislature with His boots. with big wading boots that oh, yeah. said climate change on it. So how dirty is that, that they're using ratepayer money that really should be used to lower our bills, to move to clean energy? They... They make enormous sums of money on dirty fossil fuels uh, and clean energy and energy efficiency, yes, is a threat to their business model, but they do that at the expense of all of us uh, and a livable planet for our kids and grandkids. You mentioned China a moment ago. Uh, let's talk about that. You serve on the select committee on the strategic competition between the U.S. and the Chinese Communist Party, which chaired, is chaired by Wisconsin Republican Mike Gallagher, who I know at one point you were going to have a press conference down here with Representative Gallagher. That happen. Um, but nevertheless, what are you guys doing? You know, and this is what I think is exciting because there's a lot of bipartisan agreement on this. People are very concerned. Uh, they should be on certain levels what the Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people, but the Chinese That's government right. uh, are up to uh, with this incredible competition. They are the new Russia, if you will, with in terms of our competition on so many levels. What, what are you guys learning in that committee these days? That uh, Xi Jinping has consolidated power uh, and intends to use it to continue to uh, block progress here in America on clean energy and all sorts of strategic issues. That's why it's so important to invest in our supply chains. We are too dependent on China for critical minerals that are important in the clean energy supply chain, uh, solar products, solar panels. They, like I said, they want to corner the market, corner the globe on electric vehicles. That matters to our industrial base and workers here in America. So I'm trying to bring the the GOP along here to to make sure that they they know that investing in clean energy and our uh, solar and clean energy supply chains and minerals and batteries in America is a strategic component to countering Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, there. The GOP, they're still so tied to fossil fuel companies, and it's hard to get them uh, to break. Even last week in the my Energy and Commerce Committee, they wanted to, to roll back everything that we're doing through the Infrastructure Law, the Inflation Reduction Act, to strengthen electric vehicle manufacturing, batteries, supply chains. And when I said, well, this is a... this. What you're doing will really boost China. Boy, they didn't like that. But that's what exactly what it, what they were doing. 
I don't know if you're aware of this bill, speaking of China, China's government and uh, the bill that was passed in the legislature this past session, which bars some Chinese citizens from owning property here in Florida. Uh, it is being challenged legally. In fact, the U.S. Department of Justice has intervened. And I bring this up because this is, you know, a bill I've been following a lot closely. And it's because there's um, Congress is talking about types of things like this in terms of uh, banning Chinese uh, nationals from purchasing, uh, you know, farmland or certain land. There is concern there. Um, this bill, uh, I think a lot of people think goes too far and it's that it, there may be some well-intentioned. In fact, a Democrat was a co-sponsor in this bill in, in Tallahassee, but the Department of Justice has, has filed a brief with the plaintiffs alleging that it violates the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Protection of the 14th Amendment. So it, it is one of these delicate things, I think, when you're talking about the Chinese Communist Party uh, and you know how that affects the Chinese people here in America. Yeah, there's a there there is a fine line. I think there is a role to play for uh, being able to do your research and understand the ties if it's tied back to the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, it's not appropriate to 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 have property sold near our military installations or a certain right. farmland uh, that serves uh, agricultural interest. Uh, so, you, but you can't paint with such a broad brush that you're sweeping up. Um, innocent folks that just happen to be of Chinese descent. And that's and that's what people who are opposed to that bill think it's doing. Uh, if you're just tuning in right now, it's 1126 in the AM. You're listening to WNF The Skinny. Uh, Mitch Perry with Ray Roa. We're speaking with Congresswoman Kathy Castor here. Uh, Congress is on a uh, August break. Uh, you know, some of us get a week or two off. Uh, Congress gets all of August <laughs> off. But I, you know, I know you're working hard down here in the district. <laughs> so, Ray, Ray. No, I will say, you know, every time we have somebody, uh, an elected official here, they always have sheets in front of them. They're always working on everything. And the fervor that you bring to this job, even after 17 years, so many of th these things that Bill at FPL. Hey, I get, get good cafe con leche here and uh, at home. That's why she wants to come <laughs> home. I mean, okay, so the talent or uh, it doesn't. It's not good up there in DC. But thinking about your history of public service, your mom, um, and and how you came to that, and how you wanted to do that, and how you've been doing it for so long, and it's so cynical um, up there. But you do your job just. And you bring so much optimism to it over so many years. Um, we had uh, Representative Rusan in here from uh, uh, Tallahassee, and he said something about feeling liberated, that it was his last term um, coming up. And, and when I look at you talk about the legislation that you're putting forward, you have so much left um, to do. But in this long career, where does this current political climate rank as far as the way it affects your optimism that you bring to the Hill and back to constituents like that. You know, like the, how are there, you doing? There, there's a difference in in Washington. There's the the, the Congress, the way it's it's structured, uh, majority minority. It's just it's structured for uh, competition and 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 uh, kind of the debating ideas. Right now, it's it's with the the MAGA crowd. They've taken it to a new level. I think since the the Trump presidency, it's the and and frankly, DeSantis. Uh, now these culture war issues are infecting everything that we do. For example, in committee a couple weeks ago, we had typically for children's hospitals, we have a reauthorization every five years for medical training for, for doctors. It impacts uh, St. Joseph's Children's Hospital, Johns Hopkins, all children's in St. Pete. And they added on culture war issues on gender affirming care. I mean, so unnecessary to bring that into what is a routine 
uh, reauthorization bill just to get make sure that our children's hospitals are training doctors of the future. So this, I would rank this as uh, really since the the MAGA crowd came in, uh, willing, willing. It looks like they want to shut down the government. They took the debt crisis to the limit. Uh, uh, but even in the face of that, what, what you always come back to is putting people over politics. Here in the Tampa Bay area, most people are just hardworking. They want you to, to work on issues that matter to them, housing, what can you do to put money back into their pockets on health care and serving veterans who have served us so well. And it's, um, I love my hometown. I love representing Tampa and St. Pete. Um, and I'll come home and just get rejuvenated to go back and stand up for my neighbors. We had a listener, I'm sorry, Rick. No, we had ahead. a listener just write in and ask, um, as you talked about housing, another, as you know, in Florida, the biggest problem or one of the biggest problems is property insurance. And the, the reader, the listener asked, uh, is co- can Congress do anything about that? I know you guys work on flood insurance, uh, you know, packages, but overall, in terms of like the crisis that we have here in Florida, is there any type of federal answer to that? Property insurance generally uh, more of a state issue, but the climate crisis is exacerbating risk. It we have growing risk of 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 course intense storms, weather events, and uh, and uh, so. Part tackling the climate crisis is a part of that. It's not going to help you on your bill today. But the other piece of it is just working in other ways, every way possible to lower costs. That's the other piece of the Inflation Reduction Act that cut the cost of Affordable Care Act premiums. In just in this congressional district, we have over a hundred thousand of our neighbors who sign up for a marketplace plan, Obamacare, mm-hmm. uh, healthcare.gov, and through the Inflation Reduction Act, we were able to add cost savings, discounts, so that uh, now four in five Americans can find a plan for less than ten dollars a month. It capped the price of insulin if you rely on Medicare at thirty-five dollars per month. Uh, trying can to, that can that be expanded? And we it's are for working med- to expand okay. it. Yeah. You know who the the votes to block. Uh, expansion to everyone uh, work. Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. I was going <laughs> to ask if you'd trade Rick Scott back for Ron DeSantis at some point, but maybe not at this point. No, I'd rather have uh, Fentress Driscoll or Debbie Mukherjee Powell. Right. Well, we got Phil Ayer also. He's a candidate now. I don't know if you know who he is for the Navy veteran. Let's talk about Ukraine, by the way. Uh, Harvard Harris poll was released last week, showed that more than 2,000 voters found the public is split 50 50 when asked if they support or oppose providing more funding to Ukraine to fight Russia's invasion of the country. And 70 House Republicans recently voted in favor of an amendment to the annual defense bill that would have cut all U.S. military aid to Ukraine. Uh, A report in yesterday's New York Times says that Ukrainian military commanders have changed tactics focused on wearing down the Russian forces with artillery and long-range missiles instead of plunging into minefields uh, is a clear signal that NATO's hopes for a large advance is made by Ukrainian formations armed with new weapons, new training, and an injection of artillery ammunition have failed to materialize uh, and quote, it raises questions about the quality of the training the Ukrainians received from the West and whether tens of billions of dollars worth of weapons, including nearly $44 billion from the Biden administration, have been successful in transforming the Ukrainian military into a NATO standard fighting force. What I want to bring to you, Representative Castor, is that it's been considered, and this poll showed, by the way, it's mostly Republicans. I think it's 64-36 it's, you know, Republicans want to cut funding, and it's opposite for Democrats. But independents, it's a little bit more, uh, pot, you know, more maybe stop the funding. So 
you know, as you know, we've spent a lot of money on this. This is a, this is a major uh, world event. It's not a uh, uh, sectarian battle, whatever Ron DeSantis said about it a, a few months ago. Um, but we're a year and a half into it. And, you know, uh, I don't know if the American public, you know, how long they're going to have the patience for this, uh, because it doesn't seem like it's, this war is going to end anytime soon. So what do you say to the folks who think that, okay, we believe in the effort, we hate Putin, he should not, you know, win this conflict, but yet we're doing a lot. Now we're, you know, cluster weapon munitions are going over there now. What are your thoughts about all that? I would say that democracy uh, and freedom allow you to live your life. They Here in America, there's been a march towards authoritarianism uh, as in other places across the globe too. Democracy allows you to start your business, to raise your family, to live free. We have uh, intense debates in America, but thank God we live in a free country. If Putin were to prevail in Ukraine, he will not be satisfied and will move on into Europe. We have an ironclad commitment under NATO to defend Europe. It is a much better investment of funds now to help the Ukrainians, not send young men and women uh, into battle, but to help them. Uh, We are the weaponry and resources we're providing. A lot of that is outdated munitions here in the United States. It would have to be replaced anyway. But we have got to repel and stop Putin now. Uh, You know who else is watching this? Xi Jinping. If we're not uh, successful in the freedom loving democracies of the world in repelling Putin. Uh, Xi Jinping will be, uh, he will march forward. He will take Taiwan, uh, try to draw the rest of the world into that conflict. So this need, this march needs to be stopped now. And this is a, frankly, a modest investment. Uh, Joe Biden has done a remarkable job rallying our allies across the globe uh, to to oppose Putin. The Europeans now are committing additional security assistance as well. God bless the folks who have taken in Ukrainian refugees in Europe and in America. Mm-hmm. But it is vitally important that we defend democracy here and now. Otherwise, uh, we'll be spending a lot more later. Well, let's talk a little politics here. Again, if you're just tuning in, it's 1134 in the morning here on WMNF. We're speaking with Representative Kathy Castor, who represents the Hillsborough and Pinellas County now. Again, she used to before, then she didn't. Now she does again. Uh, Okay, so let's talk Joe. We'll talk about Biden and Donald Trump here. Um, Joe Biden. Okay, there are concerns, and Representative Castor, I'm sure you're going to tell me that Joe Biden is. You know, we I, and I, you know, we need him for American democracy. He's the best hope for the Democrats. Um, there are concerns. Some, uh, obviously, the poll numbers show this amongst Democrats about whether he should run for another four-year term. Uh, obviously, he's going to do it. Uh, and look, your co- colleague Dean Phillips. Probably nobody knows about this guy, uh, but I think um, I, I want to mention him because this guy has the cojones to say that he may run for president of the Democratic Party. Uh, he's meeting with donors in New York City this week, apparently. So that's Dean Phillips. Okay, nobody knows him. Okay, you have Gavin Newsom now, who's now um, going to have debate with Ron DeSantis in a couple months, which I, by the way, think is not insignificant. A lot of people are saying this is absurd. This is uh, two guys who aren't going anywhere in terms of the presidency. I don't know about that. Um, but uh, Richard Whitmer we hear about, J.B. Pritzker. There's a lot of good talent out there. Interestingly, a New York Times poll this week of, of Democrats uh, who are passionate uh, there was 26% who said they were passionate for Kamala Harris to be the president, run for president, 20% for Joe Biden. So there are concerns 
Forget about the Republicans here. Amongst Democrats, uh, do you hear some of that from your constituents who say, hey, Joe Biden, he, he was great. We need him in 2000, 2020. Um, it, it's, you know, the age is a fact, you know, we're concerned about that. Um, and he's going to be, he's already the oldest president of the United States right now. He will be 86 at the end of a second term. Okay, yes, we have, and I, before you just go, well, okay, but, you know, Donald Trump, we have to stop him, whatever, Ron DeSantis. Um, what about, I know you don't want a, a primary because it gets ugly and it's, uh, you know, it's historically not been good for the Democratic Party, go back to 1980. But what do you, what do you hear from some of your constituents about Joe Biden? Well, they're they're grateful to to President Biden for delivering for them. I I think that that, that I don't really hear a lot, frankly. I I hear from maybe from journalists, <laughs> but I people are just focused on the cost of living and the record of Joe Biden passing the Inflation Reduction Act to cut their costs and put more money back into their pocket is job one. I mean, unemployment is at the lowest. Uh, level in 40 years. Wages are up a little bit. And we need that to, to grapple with property insurance and electric uh, bills here in Florida. Um, that We came out of this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, and he brought sanity to, to distributing vaccines and has followed the science. Passed, even with a 50-50 Senate the most historic investment in upgrading our infrastructure uh, in history. And those funds are being delivered here to the Tampa Bay area for safer streets for Tampa and Hillsborough County and Pinellas County, cleaning up waterways. I mean, I think the election, uh, yeah, folks are focused on the latest indictment. And I, I'm, Believe me, it's very personal justice and accountability for the former president. But the election is going to turn on on economics and how people are feeling and who is on their side, who's putting people over politics and money back into their pocket. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, let's talk about uh, Donald Trump for a minute. Right. We, we have this latest indictment. Um, somewhere, somewhere things that think, I know that you're, like you said, you were there on January 6th. So it's, it is personal for you. Um, Let me, it's personal for me, but it's more personal to everyone who cast a vote. Who everyone everyone who wanted their vote to be counted to think that we lived through a, uh, a attempted overthrow of our of a free and fair election. So still outrageous today, but uh, like I said, I think f people want to focus on the future and and who's going to put people over politics. Are we, are you going to elect Republicans? Are you going to fight for millionaires and billionaires and to get, make sure that they? continue to get tax cuts? Or are you going to vote for folks who are fighting to lower their health care costs, lower their drug costs, lower their energy bills? All right. On message. Uh, U.S. Supreme Court, obviously you don't get to vote to uh, confirm justices, but I know you care about this. Um, there's been obviously a lot of reporting coming out lately about uh, impropriety, some would say, with some of the justices. Um, and what do you think about, um, you know, there's been talk about, this is going nowhere about packing the court, but uh, mandatory age limits. We have them in Florida. They actually raised it a few years ago from 70 to 75 for Supreme Court justices um, or something. You know, nowhere else in America do people get lifetime appointments. And here you give it to one of the, obviously nine of the most significant jobs in the country, in the world history in some respects, to, the Supreme Court has. So what are your thoughts about 
doing something, some type of reform to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, I'm open-minded about that, and I there obviously need to be ethics reforms at the United States Supreme Court. It is dirty, dirty, dirty if you have uh, billionaires funding trips for Supreme Court justices, and then they are ruling on cases uh, before them that involve the same billionaires and business interests. That that needs to be stopped in its tracks. I think that's the most important reform. Again, if you're tuning in, it's 11.40 a.m. right now here. Um, why don't we take a phone call? We've got David here on the line here. David, hi, you're on WMNF. Hi. I just wanted to say real quick, um, I'm a big fan of Kathy Castor and glad that she's my rep, and she's done a great job for Tampa. Um, I was curious if, if she has any take on what's happening at New College of Florida. Yeah, okay. Thank you for the call, David. Hey, David, thank oh, you. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey, David, thank you so much. You bet I do. What an out... I mean, you're going to get me on a roll here with... Uh, uh, yeah, we try to lay up Ron DeSantis too much. We talk so much about him every week on the show. Yeah, it's simply outrageous. It, it It's outrageous. And the way that we have to, to fight back, that you can't agonize as much. You've got to organize. We have got to organize to win elections again. We've got fantastic people. Maybe some of these students from Young College now can run for office. From New College. From yeah. New College. From I know I know many of the active students at the University of South Florida who are very interested in uh, political future. But we have got to win some elections. People didn't show up the the last election, and boy, have we paid the price for that. I'm also very concerned with the. Uh, with the undermining our our public schools, this voucher scheme to take money out of public education and allow uh, anyone, well, wealthy people, to get a five seven thousand dollar voucher to go pay for religious education that is out of bounds, and I'm afraid it will be the slow motion demise of a lot of our high quality schools. But but the new college situation is is simply outrageous, and and like I said, let's organize to win some elections on it. Yeah, Mitch has so many great policy questions, and I you know wanted to ask you about your anxiety about the election cycle and the auspices. I mean, you think MAGA's bad? What happens if DeSantis gets in? But on the same vein, we talk about DeSantis too much. I don't get a lot of chances to sit in front of a um, a sitting congresswoman. Tell me your reaction to the aliens. <laughs> I think if if I was focused on UFOs during my congressional time, that that my good neighbors would ask me to move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of UFOs, uh, do you um, interact much with uh, our, uh, with your uh, colleague from Pinellas, Anna Paulina Luna? Have you got a chance to work with her? Or talk you know, I really. Uh, d- reached out when she was elected and called and congratulated her I'm trying to find common ground. She uh, said that she's opposed to offshore oil drilling, so I've tried to, to work on that. She's not signed on to my bill to, to prohibit uh, oil drilling off the Florida coast permanently that I have with Vern Buchanan. Yeah, um, yeah we mentioned that last week, actually, because I think... Uh, uh, there was all these. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. There was. Uh, I wrote about last week your bill actually related to something else regarding that. But, but it's, a, it's a perpetual issue, obviously, offshore drilling and the concern about that because it's not permanent. Obviously, here you come back. That's anytime. right. We had a, a moratorium in the law that has now expired this year. Uh, the the former administration did an executive order, but you know those executive orders right. are only uh, good for so long. And I do not trust the oil and gas lobby and corporations, I think they will continue to try to press ahead on that. And I wanted to ask you, we'll go back to the phones in a minute here, about um, 
some uh, maternity, uh, maternity bills, right? You've got uh, regarding, um, oh, I'm sorry, I can't try to find it here, but tell me about some of the bills that you proposed regarding that. Issue. Yeah, let's talk about real world issues yeah. rather than UFOs. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> in, in the United States of America, we have a maternal mortality crisis. It's, it's simply um, mind-boggling that you can be a pregnant woman in America and your chances of dying after childbirth are higher than, than a lot of uh, most Western nations. And if you're a black woman, you're more than twice as likely to suffer uh, and die in childbirth and postpartum. So we, we know what we need to do. There are major disparities in health care. Uh, I have offered legislation preventing maternal deaths reauthorization act. That's a bipartisan bill to help states provide uh, local communities with the resources they need to do more. For example, we recently won a big grant for Avara Health in Pinellas County. What they're going to do with those funds is they're going to be more hands-on with pregnant women in St. Pete and Pinellas County when they, before they get pregnant when they're pregnant, routine check-ins, making sure that medical professionals listen. A lot of the problem is that that doctors don't listen to uh, people of color yeah. as well. So you've this is more intense training and more uh, more research. And I also filed a bill to address uh, stillbirth. That's another. That's another area. I think with, Rubio was a co-sponsor in the Senate on that. He is. Yeah. Um, again, to address the fact that. Black women are more than twice as likely to experience stillbirth uh, than white women. So that's to provide, uh, again, additional data collection and research and uh, really get it down to the grassroots. We have, we do pretty well here in Hillsborough County because we funded Healthy Start through a nonprofit called Reach Up over the years. This was uh, former Governor Lawton Childs of the University of South Florida uh, has really uh, become a model for the nation, but it's still not enough. Uh, even though we we do okay here, uh, the disparity is screaming out for more attention and investment. Yeah, I'm looking at some statistics. Uh, according to the CDC, maybe I found this on your website, uh, uh, 57 babies dying every day. Uh, let's see here. Stillbirth affects one in 170 pregnancies, with over 21,000 babies born still each year. Uh, in the U.S., the annual number of stillbirths far exceeds the number of deaths among children aged 0 to 14 from accidents, pre, uh, pre-birth SIDS, drowning, fire, and the combined. So if, if my GOP friends really want to do something, if they say they're pro-life uh, and they want to do something to help uh, in reproductive health care, uh, it's not banning uh, abortions. It's not banning uh, the you know, the ability of women and doctors to make those decisions on when to have children. It's actually to support them uh, when they are pregnant and make sure they get the, the health care that they need all along pregnancy. And unfortunately, I haven't seen much of that. Speaking of abortion, of course, we have this uh, drive to get a ballot measure on the uh, 2024 ballot in November that would bring back uh, abortion legally till uh, viability, roughly 24 weeks, which is doing it's they're going to get the signatures. There's no question about that. It's been an incredible grassroots. They got money too, so it's not all grassroots, but nevertheless, they're, they're at a large pace. The question is whether that Florida Supreme Court, right, has to go before them. We're, we're seeing this. Ashley Moody came out yesterday about the uh, recreational cannabis bill. She's fiercely against it, as is Ron DeSantis. 
Um, what are your concerns? Because people do have them with this very conservative Florida Supreme Court to find something they could say that this doesn't need to go on the ballot. First of all, the Florida Supreme Court needs to follow precedent. We already have a right to privacy in our state constitution that has served us well. And the Florida prior Florida Supreme Court said that that right to privacy in our constitution uh, includes the right of women not politicians, right of women to make those decisions when to have children and if to have children. They simply need to follow precedent and there's a case before them right now. But there is a move afoot because people are very afraid that this Florida Supreme Court now, um, after appointees of Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott, that they intend to read our right to privacy differently. So it's, let's get this on the ballot. I, if they, we can't, we don't know right now, are they going to allow it onto the ballot? We just need to do everything we can to protect our right to privacy and the ability of, of women, doctors and families to make those personal decisions. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're about about 10 minutes left to go here in the program. You're listening to Skinny here on WMNF. We're with Representative Kathy Castor, a Democrat from the Hillsborough Pinellas area who has been in there since 2006. Uh, Representative Castro, we've got a few more calls. I think some listeners want to talk to you. We've got Nancy, who says wants to talk about money for education and vouchers. Nancy, you're on the air. Hi, I appreciate this opportunity and, and your service in the um, Florida legislature. Thank you, Representative Castor. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, you host. Um, I had a question about the vouchers because I, as a former teacher um, and being aware of what I would consider a real failure in our country's education system to educate basically the lowest uh, income people. Um, we, uh, you probably are very familiar. With, uh, it can't be half of the children. It's probably even three-fourths of the um, youngsters are not proficient at um, reading, writing, and math. And it's not because of lack of spending. Um, so I, that's where the voucher, to me, comes in as far as just how to spend the money. Because if, if you are familiar, um, there's something called a school-to-prison pipeline that educational reformers want to um, address, naturally, because it's as horrible as the name. And... It seems to me if there's a thing called the school to prison pipeline in your organization, the funding has to be stopped immediately. So I, I just wonder if you'd answer that. And again, I appreciate your your service, and um, I, I I loved your your phrase. We have to not agonize but organize. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Hey, Nancy, thank you so much for for being concerned on uh, about public education and, and, and our kids. I think the most uh, significant investment that we can make right now is in early education. You know, years ago, uh, Florida passed a universal pre-K provision into our state constitution. That was supposed to be a message to the Florida legislature and the governor at that time uh, that we wanted every three-year-old and four-year-old to have a high-quality preschool so they had the skills necessary when they entered kindergarten and first grade, they were ready. And we've never lived up to to what the voters, um, what they envisioned in that. I 
that was why coming out of COVID, we had put together this Build Back Better uh, Act. It included the all the climate and and uh, a lot of the infrastructure investments. It had a major piece in helping local communities and states do better when it came to to pre-K and school readiness, making sure that we are recruiting the teachers so that in preschool, you have a high quality, you have a real teacher. It's not babysitting. It's a, a real investment in the early grades. We know most brain development happens from zero to eight. I think uh, to stop the school to prison pipeline, any pipeline to to school and make sure our kids are ready to succeed in life, that that is the most important investment. I intend to spend a lot of time in future years on trying to make that happen. Okay, let's go to another phone call here. We've got uh, Jack calling in. He wants to make a comment about China. Jack, you're on the air. Hey, good, uh, good morning, Congresswoman Castro. I just want to thank you for your for your hard work. I'm, I'm a supporter. Um, a, cu- a couple of comments about China. The, the first is kind of a throwaway, not all that important, but I think you give them too much credit by calling them the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, they're about as communist as Donald Trump. Um, but I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a totalitarian state. Uh, I mean, I would kind of the ruling party is, is more to my liking. But I understand where the you know a lot of people use that term. The, the, my real comment is that China. I mean, I lived in China for ten years, and China is not a monolith at mm-hmm. all. And I think there are two. And I'm not sure what you're kind of learning on your own or you get from the intelligence community. I'm sure they're hopefully pretty well informed. Um, but to me, there's two major long, I mean, the system itself, uh, because of its nature, is fundamentally self-limiting. They, uh, and you see, they, they start going after people like Jack Ma. They start, any any center of power, be it economic or other, that, that kind of rises its head above the crowd gets lobbed off. And it, 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 there's a fundamental uh, problem with that type of society that it's self-limiting. So to me, the long, there's two basic long-term risks. One is that, uh, you know, they're going to be a, uh, uh, a nuisance in East Asia, which I think is certainly something that we need to keep an eye on and, and defend against. And I think kind of connected to that is that the economic competition is real. But it, to me, the long term, the major risk there is that because of the, the brittleness of the system, that it actually just implodes. And, so I, and I think there needs to be, a, I, hopefully, a more nuanced, approach to the way China is viewed and, and that would have implications for policy. And so I would encourage, I'd be you know, happy to tell you all sorts of stories after having lived in 10 years. 10 years I speak and read the language. But uh, anyway, that's that's my, my comment and my suggestion. Hey, thank you, Jack. Yeah, you could be a, an important resource to me because I, I certainly have a lot to learn on this. What I, what I have learned so far, and it's kind of like a graduate course and I, I enjoy that's one re- of the reasons I enjoy um, service in the Congress they have a major problem with their population they have uh, large youth unemployment right now up to 20 percent that is a big problem for Xi Jinping and they're not that's I've heard that that's one reason why they continue to build coal plants and things that are that they they really shouldn't and they don't need as a jobs program. So there have to be ways for the U.S. to use that knowledge in a strategic way. They also are very concerned about food insecurity. It's kind of the number one list for um, 
to-do list for Xi Jinping, and that's why they're they're so focused on capturing supply chains and buying agricultural lands and and supplies across across the globe. So the what's been interesting on this committee, it's so focused on military. And on the Democratic side, we've been trying to press the committee to do more on the economic competition side. And when we point out that part of the competition is investing in America and investing in America workers like we've done through the Chips and yeah. Science Act and the Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act, they they kind of pull away because they're they're viewed as, as Democratic Biden accomplishments. But the business community and the workers in middle America, they... They understand the importance of making resilient supply chains and countering what they're doing on an economic level. And it allows us to work with our allies to build uh, trade partners and alliances in the Pacific Rim and all across the well, globe. Right. So- the, the, uh, the CHIPS Act seems very significant. Uh, and this whole idea with, with the CHIPS, right? I mean, we saw this with COVID and Americans were like freaked out. Like we have to rely on China for keep us afloat in some situations it used to be about economics you know now it's really about you know drugs and things like that um a couple of things i wanted to go we got a couple minutes left to go going the only thing i want to ask you about trump is some of your colleagues wrote a letter yesterday uh uh about having the trump trial when it does happen on the um on the situation on january 6th to have that televised what are your thoughts about that I, I would strongly be in favor of that. I know that in the federal court system, they typically do, do not do that. But there are you would think this is so important that there would be some accommodation that could be made by the federal court system. And I'm, I'm curious, you talk about organizing and, and, and action, a product of that in, out of Orlando, uh, Congressman Maxwell Frost. Um, curious about him. Um, curious about how much you've been able to interface with him and maybe show him the ropes. Um, some things maybe you've learned from him. And what do you think the Democrats could do to make a little bit more room for somebody like uh, Congressman uh, Frost, whose politics are a little bit, you know, left for the party, you know, compared to Joe Biden, definitely. Congressman Maxwell Frost from the Orlando Orange County area is a gift to to the state of Florida and to, and to the country. I've learned from him. He's a great drummer. He can really. <laughs> uh, he loves music. He was on stage with Paramore. We have all the same band shirts. I learned from his Instagram. <laughs> But he was, he, this is a lesson for everyone who is interested in public service. He was on a mission uh, to, to build a, to build safer communities and to tackle the gun violence epidemic. And because that's where he started as a young activist and he knew his reason for, for running and he knows why he is there. He represents, you know, that part of the world is growing. It's a younger community. He reflects it very well. Um, it's it's such a privilege to be in the, in the Congress and represent my hometown, but to see, you know, this youthful energy come in every term that kind of renews uh, renews America. And it, it he's a great guy. We we interact a lot. Um, I. You know, just because I'm a little older, it doesn't mean I don't learn from him. You're, you're going to start a band together. Yeah. Yeah. Your hometown, wait, or, Orlando, tambourine. are you from Orlando? Where, you said or his home, hometown? Yeah, he's he's Orlando, yeah. Orange County. And you said, that, is that your hometown? No, no, no. Okay, okay. I thought, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, quickly, uh, impeachment. Uh, House Republicans say, I, you know, I think that they may do this. Um, we don't know what it's about. This is about I mean, Joe Biden, I should say, not um, Mayorkas, but like President Biden. Uh, McCarthy has opened that up potentially. You know, they're trying to link this obviously with the Hunter Biden. There's not much there. We obviously have seen that. Um, but 
uh, maybe counter-programming to the uh, – I was watching Fox the other night. That's literally what they were saying, that Comer is going to make sure to put this up at the same time as what, maybe this trial happens. What are your, do you think that's going to happen? Do you think the impeachment is a, a very much a viable situation? In- this MAGA crowd, they're all about chaos and conspiracy. And they want to distract the American people from the fact that uh, Joe Biden has delivered after the pandemic. He came in, uh, like I said, unemployment's at the lowest rate in 40 years. Wages are up. Uh, if, you ha- if you're fortunate to have money in the stock market, you're, you're doing all right. Uh, we've rebuilt the economy. We've passed an infrastructure law, Inflation Reduction Act. We're lowering costs for families, getting money back into their pocketbooks. They don't like that. They don't want that to be the the narrative of the next election. They want to undermine yeah. your confidence in in Joe Biden, and we're not going to let it happen. All right. A huge thanks to Congressman Kathy Kasser, who joined us here for a full hour. It's only supposed to be a yeah, half hour. Yeah, thank you so, so thank much. You. Thank you. Your time. Look at MNF Tampa here. Up next is Joe Ellen with Art in Your Ear. Thank you to DJ Spaceship for running the board. Irene on the phones. We'll see you next week.